Welcome to the Backcountry Cardio Podcast. I'm your host, Brad. This podcast is all about the outdoors, fitness, and most importantly, living the best life you can, both physically and mentally. I love finding people who strive to be their best at anything they are taking on, such as running, weightlifting, cycling, hunting, you name it. I want to hear their story, and hopefully it gives us all a chance to take something away from it and apply it to ourselves. So sit back and enjoy the show. Welcome to the Backcountry Cardio Podcast. This is uh, your host, Brad, and today we have Jake Hyatt and Brock Anderson on here. Uh, they both hail from Utah and are mule deer fanatics, and they are on here to uh, take us through their recent general season muzzleloader hunt in Utah. They both killed nice bucks, uh, so they're going to tell us a story about that. They are going to tell us some tactics they use that time of year, and it should be should be a great time. So thanks for coming on, guys. You bet. Glad so, to be here. Yeah, yeah, I'm glad. I mean, I followed I followed Peak Outdoors for a long time. So, Jake, uh, who actually runs that? Just so we can tell everybody. Um, we both do. Okay, all right. So their their Instagram is Peaked Outdoors. Uh, they got tons of stuff on there. Uh, it's a really great page, and that's kind of how I came across Jake. I think originally. So, Jake, if you want to take us into this, I, I, I will say this, Brad. If, if it's anything. Yeah. Uh, fitness related it's jake that's posting because yeah that's that's not me but <laughs> oh that's awesome well jake yeah jake jake did uh post something today jake's a runner um i probably a little of everything really but uh you're, you're not slow jake i gotta i gotta say that i mean you run pretty fast well thanks not bad for <laughs> a little bit bigger guy i guess well, I was going to say, I mean, you're, you're not built like me. I mean, I'm, I'm your typical runner, you know? And, uh, so I see these times like, yeah, you, you cruise. And I think in the, um, the little mile challenge I had last year, you ran in like the mid fives, high fives. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I was kind of surprised too. I hadn't, hadn't run that fast since high school. <laughs> okay. Well, there you go. That's uh, probably why you kill all these deer. So, so take it, take us, take us down this journey. You guys hunted, um, General season Utah muzzleloader. You came home with two nice bucks, so so bring us there. Take take us beginning to end. Okay, well, uh, so there was actually three of us. I don't know if you've seen uh, the first post we made. My uncle was up there the first couple of days with us, and he actually killed a deer too. Okay, um, yeah, I might I might have missed that one, but um, I definitely seen yours and Brock's. Yeah, so. Well, so my hunt actually started during the archery hunt. So I have a, a dedicated tag here in Utah. Okay. So that allows me to hunt all three hunts. Um, you can kill just, you know, so it, it's a three-year period. You can kill two deer in that three years, and you can hunt all three hunts. Okay. Um, so, I mean, I guess the, the hunt started probably in June with scouting. Um. So actually Utah actually just made a, a law with trail cameras. So we, we usually start out with set, setting our trail cameras and, but this year we didn't, didn't do any of that. We just decided we'd hit it hard in July and see if we could, you know, find where the deer were and, and go that route instead of setting the cameras. Yeah. Cause um, for, for listeners that may not have seen, you're not allowed to use cameras in Utah after June for, or June 31st or something. Uh, it's July 31st, so you actually have okay. a decent amount of time to where, you know, you can run them, but I just figured my time was better spent up on the mountain actually glassing for deer than running trail cameras and then having to pull them, you know, before the season. Right, yeah, and and you guys are doing, um, I mean, you're mainly high country there, right, that, that you focus on? Yeah, yeah, that's definitely what I prefer is the high country. <laughs> Right. I mean, I get, I mean, it makes sense to me that you don't waste your time with cameras. I mean, it's nice um, to see what's coming and going, but when you're glassing high country, like a lot of the deer you can see anyways, and you don't necessarily have to have to get lucky and find one on the camera, um, at least early in the summer when they're out, you know, just feeding all day long. Right. Yeah. And I mean, the areas we're hunting, we've hunted, I mean, I've hunted it for 10, 12 years now. And so it's pretty easy to, you know, I know where the deer are going to be pretty much. They're in the same locations year after year. So 
kind of have some spots that we usually go check out, see what kind of deer are in the area and kind of bounce around to a few different spots. But not going to lie to you, this year was actually pretty tough to find some uh, mature bucks. Okay. Did you, um, did you have one picked out or at least like a few on the list? Like, okay, I know these are in here or did you just not see anything worthy until you found the one you shot this year? Well, so I actually, I have two bucks that I've been hunting for probably the last three years. And I always see them in July scouting, but for some reason they, uh, they like to disappear right before the bow hunt starts. And I've hunted them for, like I say, the last three years. And I just haven't been able to turn them up during the hunts. So I was actually the first, you know, two weeks of the bow hunt, I was bouncing back and forth between those two bucks, just trying to, just trying to turn them up. And I never could. Um, and so can I just add something to that? I, I think that's what adds to the difficulty of deer hunting, right? For mature bucks is I think every, any person that hunts mature deer, you know, can attest to that, that, you know, sometimes they're pretty patternable during, you know, early summer, but as soon as it turns into that fall, they just disappear. And, you know, it just makes you wonder how many of those mature bucks just die of old age or predation or anything like that. Right. I mean, a lot of, a lot of big deer, I've always thought that, that, that you said that, you know, a lot of people will find a big buck or animal, a bull, whatever. And when they go to hunt it, there's like, oh, he's just gone. He's not here anymore. He moved, you know, whatever. But I always think to myself, like, maybe he got eaten. Like, maybe, maybe it's not that it's not there. Maybe he died, you know, before you ever found him again. Yeah, that's, oh, yeah, you, that's definitely in the back of your mind. We, we think that. And then the next year, next summer, they show right back up. And it's like, where have you been, you know? Right. <clears throat> so, so you're, you're, you started scouting all summer, having a tough time finding deer. And now when did you start with your muzzleloader? When did that start, Brock? The 28th or of September? Yeah, I think so. 28th of September was opener. Yeah, so we okay, have so, been... Oh, go ahead. Well, I was going to say at this point, it's still really hot. And most of them have stripped their velvet. And typically they're not hanging out above tree line anymore for the most part um we still see them we still see them above the tree line i mean yeah the the bigger bucks will probably drop down a little bit lower once they you know once they strip that velvet off the velvet's not as tender on their heads and stuff you know then they'll they don't mind living in that thicker oak brush and stuff but we still we still see them up in the high country up above tree line a lot of times, you know, into the middle of October even. Okay. But they, they don't spend as much time up there. They'll, they'll definitely go a little nocturnal. Right. So at this point in the hunt, so we're just, we're, we're starting, starting here on the hunt and um, yeah, go from there. What's going on with it? Yeah. So I actually, so I actually found uh, the buck my uncle killed. Oh, in, in like July or something during the bow hunt. I actually could have probably put a few stalks on him, but I never did. Um, so I knew he was in the area. So we went up the day before the hunt started and uh, just got up into our spot. And I had showed my uncle a video of the buck and he's, he decided that was the one he wanted to take. He hadn't, he's never, never killed a, a mature buck. So we went up there and, uh, opening morning ended up there ended up being quite a few guys in the basin and there was quite a few shots fired and I think he was getting a little discouraged but um, and then actually a, around oh, 11 30 or something a rainstorm rolled in and uh, it was raining actually pretty hard so we figured all the deer were going to be bedded and so we decided we were going to work our way back to camp and have some lunch and on the way back, I actually, I decided to glass this one canyon one last time, and uh, I caught two bucks just kind of trotting across the, the side hill, and one of them was the the target buck that we were after. And uh, I was able to watch him go into the, the little pinion pines and 
and bed down. I could just see his antler tips. And we ended up working our way up the ridge and we kept having to move up the ridge to where we could see him better. And then finally we got to where we could see uh, his body and we set up, we were going to wait for him to stand, but we didn't know how long it was going to be. And we had a pretty good shot. So he ended up uh, shooting him at 300 yards with his muzzleloader and hit him perfect. So that was the first buck we got. That was opening day. We killed him around wow. three or four o'clock. So I have never hunted with a muzzleloader and I'm from Oregon and in Oregon, everything is traditional um, with a muzzleloader. So 300 yards is a long ways with a muzzleloader. Um, so what, what sites can you have in Utah? So you, you can't run a, you, you can't run a scope, right? Yeah, you can. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah. So Utah passed the law back in like 2015 or 16 that you can put scopes on muzzleloaders. And okay. I mean, with the muzzleloaders we have nowadays, they pretty well, I mean, they'll shoot out there pretty far, four or 500 yards. If you have well, the right setup. Right. I mean, I know they're pretty deadly. I didn't realize you could have scopes in Utah. I mean, I've never paid much attention to the rules in Utah. I've actually, um, I've got like seven elk points here in Colorado and I'm saving them for one more year and I'm going to do a muzzleloader September hunt here in a really, really good unit. Um, you can't use scopes here, but I have been, um, looking at muzzleloaders because like you said, they, they're pretty advanced nowadays and a hundred yards is, um, a pretty easy shot for most of them, but 300 yards. Yeah. I was thinking that that's a long shot, but that makes sense with a scope. Okay. So I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm with you guys. Yeah, and, and on that note, I mean, I think it'll be something that the Division of Wildlife here in Utah will probably address in the coming years because like trail cams, there's a lot of people that question, you know, you know, the ability to, like Jake was saying, to shoot three to 500 yards with a muzzleloader. A lot of people don't like that, you know, so it might come a time where they do kind of, it's like Colorado where you're not allowed to have a scope and it will be open sites. Right. And not to, not to get into the politics of stuff, but I'm in my head, I'm thinking to myself, they banned trail cameras, which basically tell you an animal walked by here, but they're not worried about scopes on a muzzleloader in September. Like, so, yeah. so that, um, yeah, it doesn't make sense to me, but anyways, uh, I would like them to go back to open sites. I think it would save a lot more deer. I mean, that's just my opinion, but I think it was, you know, has helped the deer herds out a little bit and make it a little bit more difficult. Yeah. Well, I mean, you're following the rules. So if they're going to let you, why not? Right. Um, but yeah, I, I agree. Coming from Oregon, it, it there was all traditional. And um, so having a scope on a modern muzzleloader to me, yeah, it, it definitely, I can see, I can see taking a three, 400 yard shot with those um and but you said he killed this one at 300 yards no problem yeah yeah he's we had shot quite a bit we knew he was he was definitely definitely hitting good at 300 so we were pretty confident in the shot so awesome so you get this one down you get him back to camp by like what two o'clock and you're eating lunch no so well that whole process of the stock it took three hours or so we didn't actually end up shooting the deer i think it was like five o'clock wasn't it brock yeah it was it was later because we didn't even head back to camp eat lunch we just ended up glassing for the nighttime before we headed back to camp yeah so we got okay. back to camp about dark and well, that then, makes sense i mean uh, if, if you're going to be up there why not yeah so we just hung the meat in the tree by camp and went to bed and then the next morning we we got up and went went back in glass and i was just trying to find that big buck that i found early in the summer even though i had feelings that it, you know I, w I wouldn't be able to just from the previous years not being able to find him but i was giving it a try and then we ended up packing up thursday afternoon um so where we're hunting it's pretty high elevation and uh, I think uh, my uncle might have got some altitude sickness or something. He wasn't feeling very good. And so we ended up packing up and heading off. 
um, I was actually going to stay, but they talked me out of it. <laughs> but, so just, just to kind of get a picture here, you said you packed up and left on Thursday. So how many days had you guys been in there at this point? Uh, so we went up Tuesday. So we'd just been there Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. Oh, okay. Okay. I didn't know if you'd went up like, and this was the following week. Okay. I'm with you. No, and then yeah, just, I'll, I'll just, I'll add in something too about kind of the, you know, the convenience of hunting an area that you live in or that's close to where you live. Cause I mean, we've done it for years, you know, always hunted, you know, the unit in our backyard and it makes for situations like this pretty easy. You know, if you get up on the mountain and somebody gets sick, it's not a big deal to clean up camp and head down the mountain, spend a night at your house and then turn around the next morning and go back up. And, you know, when you get away from here and then, you know, obviously for summer scouting and things like that, because, you know, working a full-time job, time constraints and everything else that, you know, we can just head up on a Saturday morning early and scout and it doesn't take up our whole weekend. So, um, you know, well, I think that's... anybody that's looking to hunt, you know, I think area close to your house is, you know, there's always going to be good animals in every, any, every unit, right. Just depend. You just got to find them. And, um, I think picking an area that's close to your house and learning the area and it's going to, you know, be an advantage to you in the future. Well, you know, that's, um, I haven't got to hunt. I'm not hunting this year, which, um, because we don't have a babysitter for our kids and it's just me and my wife out here. And what you just said is the reason why I can't, because I live, um, in the Fort Collins area in Colorado, but we have Rocky mountain national park right here. So the only hunting for the most part is, on the on the west side of that so we're talking a three three and a half hour drive one way so for me to do even day trips you know if you get up on a saturday morning you know you're leaving 4 a.m you get there then you got to hike into wherever you want to hunt and then you've still got a three and a half four hour drive home and that's if you don't get anything so it's just like it's a real pain in the butt to have to drive almost four hours just to do a day hunt all right yeah, so we've got multiple areas that we hunt. Some of them, you know, are pretty easy to access. Like we can, you know, take a truck and then ride a, a motorcycle in a ways and then, you know, just hike maybe a mile or two to get away from the, the trails and stuff. But and then there's other areas that you you have to backpack in, you know, five, six miles. And it's that's that takes a little bit more time and a little bit more effort. But uh, this location that we were hunting, uh, I mean, I'd wake up at four o'clock in the morning and I'd be on, I'd be at the glassing point before light. So it wasn't, wasn't terribly hard to get to. Yeah, definitely not in the summertime. I mean, if you're, if you're in the summer, you know, September, I mean, it's still light out by five thirty, six o'clock. Yeah. So in the summertime, we had to probably wake up around three or so, but, uh, during the hunting season. Yeah. So I mean, going on with the story. So we went back, we went down Thursday and then, uh, Sunday morning, I ended up just waking up and going solo back up in, into a different basin, the same mountain range, just a different basin, just trying to turn up something decent. And that's, uh, that's when I ended up killing my deer. Okay. So how did that play out? You're just glassing a glass in the side of a, a basin. You found him and you, you 300 yard muzzleloader shot and he's done. Not quite, but, um, so I actually, I got up there a little bit before light. So I had to kind of wait 15, 20 minutes before I could start glassing. It was still pretty dark. And I, uh, I picked up four bucks on the hillside. They were probably like 700 yards away at this point. And I could, I could see the frame on the one was a, a good buck, but it was still pretty dark. And, uh, I could tell they were kind of working their way down towards the trees. So I just, I left my spot and scope backpack and I just took my ammo and my gun and, and took off down the ridge and kind of looped around above them. And by the time I was looping around, they had kind of worked their way down into the, the pinion pines. And it's just like a patch of them. That's like, you know, 50 yards wide by maybe 30 yards deep. Mm-hmm. And it's open all around there. So I knew, I knew they were in there and I didn't see them come out. So I just kind of, I was actually on a wide open side hill and I just, just creeping down there. Cause I, I couldn't see them. I figured they were laying down. They couldn't see me. So I just worked my way down and I got to about a hundred yards from those pinion pines and I couldn't see them. And, uh, 
I don't know if this is a good hunting tactic, but I picked up, I got my, my bipod set up on my gun, ready to shoot, had my, my scope dialed and I just tossed the rock in them trees and they kind of hopped up and were kind of looking to see what, what the noise was. And, uh, they kind of started walking off to the left into a, a little clearing and, uh, the biggest buck in the group, uh, I just whistled at him, stopped him and shot him at about 150 yards and he just dropped. So, so well, the, the rock tactic, man, I have killed so many deer doing that and not, <laughs> I, um, uh, so I moved to Colorado about six years ago now, but uh, being from Oregon, I was hunting blacktails on the, on the coast range and, I mean, I don't know if, you, if either of you have ever been there, but it is brushy. And when I mean brushy, like sometimes 15 yards in front of you, if there was a deer there, you're not going to see it. Um, but I love finding little um, like drainages that kind of have, um, you know, little rolling hills in them that are like 50 yards um, across a little, little dip in it. And I throw rocks down in there and man, I can't tell you how many deer I shot that you throw rocks down in the brush and they jump up and they'd run up the other side. And if you planned it right, you, you always did this where you could see the other side. Right. And yeah. man, I killed tons of blacktails doing that because if you didn't, it, it, a lot of people, now I, I wasn't like a trophy blacktail hunter. I killed some decent ones. Um, but if you didn't get them to stand up, they would just lay there and you walk by them. So unless you really knew what you're doing, killing a huge blacktail was tough. And, um, yeah, I killed tons of them just, just tossing rocks and brush and they jump up out of there and then they run up a hill about 25 yards, look back wondering what the heck it was. And then, you know, shoot them and there you go. got your deer. Yeah. It works for me old deer too. <laughs> okay. okay. Well, I'm putting that in my bag of tricks. There you go. So, yeah. So, uh, I was by myself, but, uh, I had cell phone service luckily down in the bottom of the canyon. So I called uh, Brock and my brother and my uncle and they, uh, they rode up. Um, but like I say, it's about, they're three hours probably to the ridge line. And so I, I had the deer all quartered out and everything. And I just threw it all in my backpack and, and hiked it up to the ridge line to where I met them. And then they helped me take my deer out. So. Yeah, I mean, no, looking I'll, at the picture, it, it's a nice four-point, right? I mean, it's a pretty tall, tall four-by-four, four, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, I mean, it's not a buck I would typically target, but it was my last year dedicated, and I, uh, I wanted to harvest a deer this year, so I was, I was happy with him. Nice. You know, I'll tell yeah, my I, side of that okay. story, so the, uh, so that, it's funny, anybody that knows myself or Jake, we hunt together quite a bit and they kind of always question why we hunt together because uh jake's pretty hardcore and most of the time he like uh drags me along right kind of like the little <laughs> brother maybe the handicapped cousin however you want to look at it. but uh anyway uh so we had when after we had gone back after jake's uncle had killed his deer um my jake is funny my daughter actually her birthday was on that friday and jake's daughter's birthday was on saturday or sunday right jake saturday yeah saturday so we weren't planning on hunting those two days regardless so and then sunday we weren't really going to go up we we're just going to kind of go up monday again let the weekend warriors kind of go home you know but jake called mm -hmm. me saturday night and was like hey i'm gonna head up in the morning want to go and you know i'm like nah i don't really want to go so anyways as i'm going to bed that night i'm thinking in my head like i'll bet money jake calls me early in the morning it says he has a deer down so i should probably just head up but anyways i didn't so <laughs> sure enough my phone rings at you know eight o'clock and jake says hey i killed the deer so i'm like all right well i'll come up so i load my motorcycle up i drive an hour to the trailhead get out and don't have my pack don't have anything so like you forgot you like you forgot it <laughs> yeah i forgot it at home but I was like, you know, Jake's hunted with me enough. He's not going to be surprised when I show up on top without a pack. Maybe I can help him pack his spotting <laughs> scope off the mountain. So anyways, I went up there and got up on the ridgeline. He had made, you know, he'd packed the whole deer out. I got up there and said, well, good news is I'm here. Bad news is I don't have a pack. So I'll take your spotting scope back to the, <laughs> back to the dirt bike. So, um, yeah, that's, that's my side of the story. That's pretty typical. I don't know if you want to tell him about the very first time we hunted together when I had to pack your pack for you. 
<laughs> I do, yeah, I do want to hear about that. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, so going back to what I said at the first about uh, Jake likes fitness, you'd think by now, <clears throat> after hunting with him for as long as I have, that I would try to get in better shape. And I always tell myself I, do, I am, but, uh, man, I just love McDonald's and, <laughs> you know, getting up early to work out isn't, isn't my thing. But anyway, um, yeah, we were, we were going up hunting up on the same, same unit, you know, different area. And uh, it was a pretty gnarly hike to the top. And um, as we were going up the trailhead, you know, there was other hunters on the trailhead. And, and Jake was, you know, setting the way fast. He was way ahead of me. And I was just taking my time. So I thought, I honestly thought I was going to die because I didn't know. I was just ready to go home. You know, I didn't even care anymore at this point. So Jake came back and grabs the pack, grabs my pack. So he has his pack with my pack on his pack. And he's hiked up the mountain. <laughs> and so I'm, I'm barely, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm barely hanging with him then. But. Anyway, so if I can give advice to anybody that's looking to get into hunting, find yourself a partner like Jake that uh, enjoys working out and enjoys uh, <laughs> doing that kind of stuff because it makes your job a lot easier um, when it comes to packing stuff in and out. Oh, that did you guys pass anybody on the trail while he was packing your pack? He did. That's the best part. Is I'm sure I think I passed with the heck. <laughs> he had two packs on and I was behind him with nothing. I didn't even have oh, a tag. Man. I had already killed a deer on the opener. So I was just up there helping him. <laughs> that is awesome. I I don't know that I've ever, I don't know that I've ever done anything, had a story quite like that. I did go with a friend that forgot a toothbrush and toothpaste um, for a 10 day elk hunt. And by the end, he, he was like scraping, <laughs> scraping teeth with his finger, you know, because we were packed in. He had not, <laughs> uh, nothing, you know, I was like, you can have some toothpaste for you know, on your finger. But he's like, by day 10, it's like, yeah, that doesn't work anymore. I need to brush my teeth here. <laughs> so that's, um, that's about the only, only forgotten thing I can think of um, that's happened to me or done like that. We, we could go all night with stories. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. So, so you show up, no pack, Jake packs the whole deer out. You take his tripod and now Brock, you still have to kill your deer, correct? Yep. That, that, yeah. It was Sunday. And so the hunt closes on that, that it closed on that Thursday. So yeah, we still had four days. And uh, the plan was after that was to just head up the following day so that sunday we packed jake's gear out of there got it got it home and then jake and myself woke up monday morning um and went up and again hunted a different basin same area different basin um and actually we didn't it was it wasn't until like later late afternoon where we did turn up some deer but they were you know quite a few you know quite a distance away and uh, it was right at that time where they were going to bed down. So we just didn't really have a play on them. So uh, we decided well, to. Yeah, the that, problem was, we, oh, I was just going to say the problem was, too, we couldn't really identify if there was any, you know, shooter bucks in there because they were facing the west. So that sun come up over the hill and it was really hard with the glare to, I mean, we could tell they were bucks, but we just never could identify that one was big enough to go after. So once they went mm -hmm. into the trees, we we didn't, you know, want to just book it over there and there not even be something worth shooting. So we decided we'd just keep our eye on that spot. Okay. So, yeah, so, so no fork and horns were going home on this hunt. No, not, I mean, I, I mean, I'm the same kind of same way as Jake. Like I don't, I don't necessarily hunt for the meat. Right. I mean, obviously I do enjoy the meat when I kill something, but right. um, I would rather not, I would rather eat tag soup, right. than kill a right. small small deer so um but yeah the other thing it was i mean it's a, it's a pretty gnarly you know hike to get to where you know you had to play on those deer that we had seen so anyways after that jake had to go back to work for tuesday wednesday um and i actually did as well so but i actually went back up tuesday night by myself um but again turned up those same deer same distance away but it was about 10 minutes before dark so Again, couldn't really do much with them. Um, so after I came out of there Tuesday night, I talked to Jake and the plan was to go up to the end, you know, the Thursday, the final day and see if we could, uh, you know, get on those bucks and get over to a spot and then maybe make a play on them in the evening time when they came back out of the beds. And again, this goes back to like, I, I you know, in my head, I'm thinking in my head, like, that's going to be, 
a gnarly hike, getting clear over there, like, and then packing that deer out. This is going to suck, right? Like, I <laughs> sure hope we, we get up there and there's something, you know, right off the trail. So, as luck would have it, right? We show up Thursday morning. It's dark. I, I got to stop you because yeah. the way you're talking. So, my brother is <laughs> nothing like me. And I mean, he is, I, I don't know if he listens to these podcasts, but I'm going to say he's about 5'7", 230 pound, 230 pounds. To give you an idea, 220. I mean, he's, he's short and round. He loves to hunt. But I can't tell you how many times I've been hiking up a hill. I'm like, oh, we just got to go over this little ridge. It's right here. And then when we get up there and he's literally like <laughs> dropping every F-bomb at me saying, yeah, I thought it was just like 100 yards. You made it sound like this was just 100 yards, Brad. This was like four miles over here. What the heck are you doing? And I just, I picture you, Brock, like following Jake going, come on, Jake, this is too far. What are we doing? Come on, you got to stop pretty soon. Oh, yeah, that's, no, that's, uh, again, I don't know why I haven't just decided, you know, I'm going to get in somewhat decent shape so it won't be as bad, but to this, to this point, I have not. But anyway, so yeah, we, we uh, get up there and uh, get up on a, we're actually hiking to a different part where we can glass from. And as we're coming up over this kind of the ridge, it was, I mean, it was still really dark. And again, this goes to saying um, if you can afford nice optics, they're worth their weight. You know, I mean, it's worth mm-hmm. the price you got to pay because Jake was able to look down in the base and I mean, you couldn't even see it with your naked eye, but he pulled, pulled up his, glass and he has some a pair of NL pures and you know I was right behind him and he says hey I got four deer right here um don't know what they are yet but we're gonna wait for it to get a little lighter so again it wasn't even that light and he was able to tell that one of them was a decent buck so we ranged him and uh waited for it to get a little lighter so we could kind of see what he was and uh, uh, it was the one that I ultimately killed and we were about 250 and um ranged him and got a good rest and one shot and he was down and it was like seven o'clock the sun was barely coming up over the horizon and we had a buck down and you know way closer to the dirt bikes than what i anticipated so i was happy about last it last day buck last day buck <laughs> yep so so you you made up brought up a good point brock um about the binoculars now did you have a set of binoculars and you couldn't see them or did you just yeah you ever heard of tasco yeah, I sure have. <laughs> I just kidding, no. I, you might as I, well. No. I, I, I all the deer <laughs> yeah, that's that's another joke we have. So I actually have a pair of NL peers as well. But uh, okay. me and Jake, again, that's the other thing. Uh, I'm I'm not quite as good about glassing up deer as, as he is. Um, so that's another joke we have that he's he's the one always finding the deer. And uh, so that makes it nice. But actually, funny story on that is uh, usually when when we set up the glasses, I don't know. And I'm sure maybe some of your listeners can can attest to this, but when it's a little chilly up on that ridge and that sunlight hits, man, the first thing I want to do is just close my eyes and go to sleep. And so I can't tell you how many times Jake's uh, looked over and I've been asleep and when I was supposed to be glassing. But that's again, that's why I hunt with Jake because he can he can do all that for me. Well, you know, I have a pair of uh, uh, Vortex razors and the guy I hunt with has, I can't remember if they're the ELs or the SLCs. He bought them before the NL peers came out. Um, but in any case, they're a pair of Swaros. And, you know, people will oftentimes that have never had a pair of, you know, I, I, the razors are like, I, what I consider the beginning of the high end binoculars, like that price range. Um, and people will say, well, the razors are X amount of money. Why do I need to spend 2,500 on a pair of Swaros? But when, his are side by side with mine and we both have mine on tripods it is still amazing to me how much better the soros are at just little details and how much brighter it looks like just like the colors just look way brighter i can't really explain it and if you've never looked through high-end binoculars um it's it's hard to justify it until you do but man like you just said uh the the they're worth every penny if you can afford them yeah and and you know it's i would say it's a gateway drug too because i mean once you have a nice pair of 
binoculars like this, you know, NLP is then you don't, you only want to get a nicer set of, you know, a spotting scope and so on and so forth. So it, it definitely opens up your eyes to how, you know, the having nice optics. And again, I grew up, when I grew up hunting, it was that, right? Like, I think a lot of people stay, or could be in the same boat, right? Like, you know, we had Tascos and we'd go up on a ridge and then my dad would send us to push some trees and we just never sat in glass. And I mean, especially high country, that is your friend, right? Is to be able to sit down, get comfortable, have a good pair of binoculars or spotter and just glass the country. And it saves you a lot of hiking, saves you a lot of energy. And, you know, obviously it makes it easier to kill deer. Yeah, I thought I was the coolest kid on the mountain when I bought a set of um, Bushnell Bone Collector binoculars when I was like 15. They were like 120 bucks at Walmart. And I remember all my friends coming over to look at these things. They're like, oh my God, these are the greatest things we've ever seen. And now I look back on that and think like, holy crap, how did I even look through those without getting a headache? So, so is your tactic purely get up high in glass, Jake? Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, trying to think any other tactics that I use really, I mean, especially in the high country, I mean, yeah, that's, you know, well, I mean, I guess, right. But I guess what I'm saying is, um, you, I, I mean, you pretty much only hunt the early season for deer, right? Or do you do any late season, like November stuff? So we're actually, we're heading, we're heading over to your neck of the woods here in a week and a half. We'll be going over to Colorado. Are you doing, what's that, third season? Uh, it's second season. Second okay. season rifle. So, um, we just picked up a, a second choice tag there. So, I mean, nothing special, but. Oh, nice. Okay. Yeah, it's. it's the same unit i i i don't know if you've seen it but i i killed a a 190 buck there two years ago so we're heading back there oh nice well that's a good unit to head to then (laughs) so awesome um so yeah so what's the plan there second season just get up high somewhere and start glassing yeah so i mean we kind of i mean so last last time we went we pretty well we were hoping to get there a day or two early but we just the way things worked out, we had kind of had like the evening before. Um, and so we just kind of hunted and learned the area as we went, but now we kind of got the area figured out from last time we hunted it. So I've got a couple spots that I found some Springs and I'm hoping it stays warm and we don't get snow actually. So them deer are using them Springs, but, um, yeah, pretty much just get high. It's, it's, it's a really thick area where we're hunting. So, I mean, you're glassing in the quakies where they, the deer think they're hidden, but you know, they're not. <laughs> right. Okay. That, that, yeah. I mean, that, that, yeah, it's definitely, it's different. Um, where I hunt over here, uh, is a lot of thick aspens and I, I don't know why I'm like drawn to it because coming from Oregon, everything is brushy. And so I really find myself loving to hunt thick brush here too. But like you just said, um, animals think they're hidden in those aspens but they're not and if you spend a lot of time in there um it's definitely definitely you're you're able to find animals if you're really patient looking in those aspens yeah when we were there the the first time i was i was pretty shocked when when i glassed that group of bucks up i was you know with a with a second season tag i wasn't wasn't had didn't have too high of hopes um but it was a pleasant surprise to glass them bucks over in the Quakies. But now Brock, you're you're going with him? Yeah, I'll be there. Yep. Okay. All right, guys. Here's here's a question I ask everybody. Um, what is what's your number one piece of advice for somebody new that is going to be hunting mule deer? And we'll just say it's Utah, Colorado second season whatever just just higher country like what's your first first piece of advice go ahead bro first day <laughs> all right so for me i would definitely say there's a couple options so obviously the easiest is if you find somebody like jake right i mean jake's essentially 
taught me most of what I know as far when it comes to mule deer hunting and then from the stories you've heard he, he does a lot of the work for me too which makes except pull the trigger right <laughs> everything but pull the trigger um so yeah if you have i mean my thing is if you're new you know find find a mentor find somebody that that's done it a lot because i mean you're going to be able to learn way more through that mentor faster than 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 doing it by yourself and then if you don't have somebody um i mean with all the podcasts that are out there um you know the forums uh even like you know the programs like go hunt or epic outdoors or any of these places that um, you can sign up to be a member and then you can call you know that place and they give you you know areas to hunt or they'll put you in touch with people that have hunted those areas in the past i mean anything like that i think is a good place to start um youtube right i mean the, mm -hmm. the nice thing about this day and age with all the technology is is information's at our fingertips and uh you know it's it's easy it's easy to get to yeah definitely um good good advice to find a friend like jake i like that brock <laughs> my advice would be so if they're if they're planning on coming to like utah and, and hunt the high country i mean you definitely i mean getting in in shape definitely would help um i mean and like exercising and stuff like that helps you with your mental toughness too. Cause when you get up there, when you get in the back country and the high country and stuff, I mean, it's not easy. Uh, I mean, you, you wear down a lot faster. So just being mentally tough and being able to stick it out. Cause yeah, like I say, it's, it's not easy. So, I mean, that'd be my biggest advice and you get high, you get up, you get up at the top of these mountains in, you know, during September, October, you're going to find deer. Just be, I mean, it, it all depends on what your expectations are also. I mean, right. To kill you know, a, on, on, oh, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, I mean, to kill a, a, a 140, 150 type mule deer is, is actually, it actually pretty easy. Right. And, you know, and on that subject, one thing I always recommend to people, uh, I, I, people seem to go both ways on like the, um, hydration bladders in their packs versus like an algae. But if I was to recommend to a new hunter, like you just said, being up in the high country, cause I know in Colorado here, you can get up to 11,000 feet, um, pretty easily. And that, that's really high elevation and water comes into play quite a bit with how you're going to feel staying hydrated. And for me, a hydration bladder, I can drink so much more water than having to stop and get my, um, you know, Nalgene out or off the side of my pack and drink. And what you just said about wearing down, I feel like if you don't drink a lot of water, you may not realize that you don't feel that well, partially because you're dehydrated and you're just kind of getting, you know, it, it just, it just makes everything worse, right? That, okay, now I'm worn down, I'm dehydrated and I want to go home. So yeah, what you just said, I think is for me, the number one thing on my list would be to be in shape. Yeah. What, I, what I've heard for like, you know, people getting out altitude sickness is, is like, yeah, like you say, hydration and then getting a good night's sleep, which sometimes can be very difficult on the mountain to get like I don't sleep very well on the mountain and I'm a super light sleeper so uh that that sometimes kicks my butt but yeah those two things can help out for sure awesome and my last my second question and last one for the night um if you had to spend money a lot of money on one it, it new towards new hunters here if you had to spend money on gear where would you put it first? I know it's all important, but, um, you know, an $800 Kafaru pack is probably not important as a good pair of binoculars in my opinion. Um, so where would you put your money first as a new hunter? Oof. Go ahead, Brock. What do you think? Um, so yeah, that's, that's hard because obviously every, you know, once you get into hunting and start doing it you just start keep spending money so if, you know i would just you know i would say regardless of what you're buying or what you 
because I mean, I think in different situations, it, you know, what you're going to spend money on first can change. But I, my recommendation would be live by the motto, buy once, cry once, because I can't tell you how many times I've, I've cheaped out, you know, and haven't maybe bought the nicest thing I could have afforded and just bought maybe the cheaper and then sold it six months later at a loss and then turned around and bought the nicer thing. Right. So I don't, I mean, I'm with you. I don't know what, cause like, you know, I, I think having a good pack is, is crazy. Cause I mean, when me and Jake, when I had an elk hunt three years ago, I had like a scouting backpack, right? Like a Walmart backpack. <laughs> right. And that thing was terrible. Um, right. So I went out and bought a Kuyu pack and I mean, the amount of weight you can haul and how it sits on your back is just crazy. The benefits of it there. And then again, with optics and even firearms, right? This year I, I, I bought a custom muzzle loader and it was one of those things where I had bought a couple other muzzle loaders in the past that were a little cheaper. And so, yeah, that's my, that's what I would say is whatever you're going to buy, buy the most you can and live by the motto, buy once, cry once. All right. I like it. Yeah, All so, right, Jake, you're up. Where are you spending oh, your money? I was just going to say, I'm, I'm probably a bad example of this because I hunted a lot of years with some really cheap gear and it can be done. You can kill big deer with. Well, with, well, with I was just going to say, well, I was going to say, I mean, and that's where it gets tough. I think we're in this, this era of social media and hunting that most people come across somebody's page, you, you know, and it's like, they're they're talking about their gear and they've they've got the nl peers they've got the the kafaru that's completely loaded all accessorized and they've got the crispies or the lawas or whatever which i mean most of us kind of have that stuff you build up to it but like you just said i i've killed a lot of deer in my younger days wearing jeans and my dad bought me a red flannel and that was kind of what i started out with and it worked you know to, to a point it wasn't it wasn't fun but um so it can be it can be hard to as a brand new hunter seeing all this right like i gotta have a three thousand dollar pair of binoculars to go hunting what the hell's going on here so so that's kind of where like you just said you don't you don't have to have it right right yeah i mean i ended up having to buy a new pack because on that elk kind of rocks he ended up destroying my packs throwing it off cliffs oh okay Nice. Well, um, I, that's, that's I, another I can't, story. <laughs> so, well, well, I can att- that's, What's that? Yeah, that story. It was another one of those things, just me and Jake, we just killed an elk and it was the one person was going to cut up meat. The other person was going to make Pat, you know, trips back to camp. And uh, so I got the task of taking trips back to camp and I'd climb up a hill and then, then there was a big downhill back to camp. And so, instead of putting that pack on my shoulders, I'd just take it off my pack and huck it down the mountain. And I figured at the end of the day, if I needed to buy Jake another $30 pack, I would, but uh, yeah. Anyways, it, it was a good yeah, thing for Jake. Was a cheap he, ended, one. <laughs> he ended up buying a nice pack after that one was destroyed. Well, yeah. you know, and, and, and that, that is another thing. Uh, I, and I think you, you kind of, you, you, you gain knowledge because I killed a real big bull. The, the only really big bull I've ever killed um, I had a cheaper pack at the time, but it just had aluminum stays for the, you know, it's not like a nice carbon fiber, like a, a mystery ranch I have now set up for packing whatever. But, um, this one, it was a, it was a hunting pack, I guess, but it, it was just aluminum stays in the back of it. And when I put the elk head on there, it twisted and it snapped the, the aluminum stays in half. So the, the pack basically just flopped over. Oh, oh yeah so so yes a good a good pack would be um definitely definitely one of them but anyways guys this was uh this was great and peaked outdoors is your ig um and is there anything else you guys want to say no i'll just say you know we don't we don't we didn't create the instagram page to monetize or anything like that we more so i don't know just did it to share other people's success. So I always say, you know, if, you know, any any of your listeners have something that we can repost on our Instagram, feel free to send it to us and we'll post it on our page. And yeah, that's kind of how we run it. Yeah. We don't, 
we don't post a whole lot as as you can probably tell i'm not much of a social media type but brock kind of got me into it so nice well you guys definitely um I mean, you guys kill a lot of stuff. Like you guys, I mean, I enjoy seeing the page when a post shows up every six months, it seems like. Um, there's always something cool. So Jake, you could work on posting more for Brock, helping him out there. So um, that'd be cool. But uh, yeah, it's, it's a great page, guys. You guys do awesome. And it's just, uh, it's fun watching everything you guys get. And Jake, did you kill a huge bull last year in Utah? Um. So... Um, I didn't. I helped a guide a friend named Jake on a big bull last year. That's right. Okay. So, um, so yeah, because yeah. Oh, I was just gonna say. So, as you probably know, it's really hard to get an elk tag here in Utah, at least for like mm-hmm. the limited entry type stuff. Right. So, I mean, I killed a bull back in like 2014, and I've pretty well taken hunters out every year since it's just on the archery hunt and it's been fun we've we've had a lot of success so yeah it's been a good time nice all right guys well uh for everybody listening check their instagram page out peaked outdoors again it was uh jake hyatt and brock anderson and uh really enjoyed this uh, conversation guys thanks for hopping on here thanks brad yeah thanks brad no problem have a good night guys yep you too Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Backcountry Cardio Podcast. Today's episode was with Jake Hyatt and Brock Anderson, and you can find both of them at Peaked Outdoors on Instagram. And as always, you can find me on Instagram at Backcountry Cardio or online at backcountrycardio.com.